2,000 years ago, Jesus freely chose to become one of us in all things but sin. He did this, of course, out of infinite love for us. But this meant that he became vulnerable and he had physical needs. He got tired, hungry, and thirsty, just like us. Now imagine, Jesus comes to your house. God in the flesh, love incarnate, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, comes to your house. Now how would you feel? Like how would you welcome him as a guest? It would be such a great honor and joy, right? Uh, usually, uh, the hosting, when you're, whenever you're hosting someone, uh, like the duty, the main duties are divided up into two parts. Someone spends direct time with the guest and entertains them. Right? Someone else from the hosting family is in the background preparing the food and drinks. This makes sense, right? Well, like we're, this is something that's familiar to us. All right, so it's this gospel passage and this dynamic of, of hosting guests, it's a, it's a familiar scenario to me because my parents, especially my mom, love to invite priests to our home and treat them to a home-cooked Korean meal. And my parents, they, they would go all out, spare no expense. Uh, they would first clean and organize the house. Uh, and then it would, they would prepare the best food and drinks. And whenever you know, the guest priest would come over to the house for a meal, uh, it would be a feast you know, worthy of a king. And I can sympathize for Martha in the gospel because I've seen countless times how stressful, like how stressed out my mom got uh, whenever we invited a priest over. And of course, she tried her best not to show her anxiety and, and stress when the priest was there. Uh, you know, but I, but I knew her. I, I, saw, I saw through her. And let me tell you, boy, was she relieved when the priest you know, finally left. And to be honest, I really didn't get why she tortured herself like this over and over again. I said, Mom, well, why are you doing this to yourself? Just... I mean, if you're going to have you know, the priest over, just, just serve you know, a regular meal. You know, that, that would be good enough. And I heard many times, you know, priests themse themselves say to my mom, you know, like, this is crazy. Like, like this is too, way too much. Please, you know, next time, you know, like, take it easy. You know, you don't have to, you don't have to go all out. Uh, as a uh, as a confession, I, I secretly and selfishly hoped that she wouldn't listen to them because that meant that I also got to eat the best food and, and drink, you know, the premium stuff. And to this day, my parents still save the best drinks for when they host, they would host priests for a meal. So usually something like McAllen 18 or Johnny Blue. Uh, you know, four years ago when I uh, after I became a priest and I just went home uh, to have dinner with my parents on like a regular night and I said 
hey, you know, I'm a priest now, so let's open up the good stuff. But unfortunately, it didn't quite work that way. And uh, the premium stuff is still off limits to me when I visit. And I'm not exactly sure, like, how, how this system works. Maybe I have to be a pastor to unlock the top shelf. So through the many experiences of, of my family hosting priests for dinner, I've learned some valuable lessons uh, as a priest. Uh, one, don't overstay. You know, leave at an appropriate time in the evenings. People have, I know you're having a good time, uh, but people have work and important things to do in the morning. You know, some of, some of these priests, and, and I love them, uh, but they had what I would call uh, cement butts. You know, they, they would not get out of their seats. Another lesson, yeah, don't drink too much, right? Drink in moderation because nobody wants to see a sloppy priest who acts and speaks inappropriately. All right, and most importantly, I, I realized uh, the why for my mom. It was love for Jesus in the priesthood. That despite our many faults and weaknesses, my mom sees Jesus in the priest. And I hope, yeah, I never forget that. I hope I never take for granted the generous and beautiful dispositions that faithful people have, you know, for their priests. Okay, so now if we look in the gospel, we see that something is it's definitely off. Something is wrong here. We're told that Martha is anxious and worried during her service to the point of complaining, and she's telling Jesus what to do. And it's easy to misunderstand Jesus and think that he's telling Martha that what she's doing is bad and only what Mary is doing is good. But, you know, like we talked about, someone should be preparing uh, something to eat and drink for the guests. And this in itself is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. But if that involves being overly anxious and worried, that's yeah, not God's way. Notice too how Jesus addresses Martha. He says, Martha, Martha. Right? He calls her name twice. In the Bible, when a name is called twice, it's often done in order to wake someone up who has fallen asleep. Jesus is telling us that Martha has fallen asleep in her faith, and that's what's led her to lose focus on the most important thing. Jesus has to wake her up so that she can once again rightly order her work, her service, her life. Sometimes the same can be, sometimes the same thing can be true with us. Many things, yeah, can cause us to fall asleep in our faith life. For some, it's the routine of daily prayer or liturgy that becomes so ordinary yeah, that we stop reflecting on what we're doing, right? It loses its meaning. So a good rule is this. 
our religious works probably don't mean much. They probably don't mean much to God if it doesn't mean much to us. I'll say that again. Our religious works probably don't mean much to God if they don't mean much to us. And other people, they can fall asleep because of a fundamental disinterest in religious, in religion and faith. Uh, this is when like God and faith are no longer relevant to them. And when this happens, they see prayer and the practice of faith as pointless, and they stop spending time with the Lord. So here's the question. How can we first wake up ourselves if we've fallen asleep? And second, wake up our brothers and sisters who have fallen away from the church? The answer is simple. Jesus. Mary shows us the answer in the gospel by going to him and spending time with him. And Jesus teaches Martha clearly by telling her there is need of only one thing. He's the thing. He's the one. All the busyness in life, it loses its meaning without Jesus. Spending time with Jesus in prayer, especially receiving him in Holy Communion at Mass, that's what's truly needed in order to be fully alive. So if we find ourselves asleep today, if we find ourselves asleep in this homily, let's open the ears of our hearts and run to the Lord. Because Jesus is calling us by name to enter more fully and participate in this Eucharistic feast, this Mass, this Supper of the Lamb. And unlike the gospel, it, you know, it was Mary and Martha who invited Jesus to their home. Like, it's God who's invited us to a sacred meal. And guess what? He's only serving the best food and drink, the body and blood of Christ. Christ.